Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Hello and welcome to All the Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. This is the show where we talk about all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life. And we are live. Okay. I didn't know where we were going with that, people. We are live, <laughs> and it is Saturday. And helping us out on the show today is the one and only Bob Bontrager. Woo! Thank you so much. And our moderators tonight are the one and only Elaine Voss and Alicia Moss. That's right. We love our moderators. And if... If any of you out there in all the things land would like to be a moderator, we would, could sure use one or two more. So go fill out and volunteer application at the Center for Biblical Unity dot com. Wow, I didn't see how she does. Put that little plug right on up in there. That's right. Yeah, look if at you that. you enjoy the show and can make a, a once a month commitment to helping us out on moderating, go apply. Okay, so we are live and we want to invite you to add your voice to the conversation. Uh, let us know you're watching. Let us know um, where you are. And this is a show where we actually read the comments. Yes. On the stream. Kevin and is on Facebook. Kevin Briggins, my off-code co-host. Talking about, Mo, you got to stop letting Krista pick the weight music. You guys, there are some things I just have no responsibility for. If I was picking the weight music, it would be Johnny Cash. Or, I would choose Or some Kurt other Hart. hillbilly. We need a little gospel, a little Kirk Carr. Yeah. So here's the problem is there's this whole thing called copyrighted music. So we have to use the YouTube approved music because what we talk about here is sometimes controversial. We've got enough problems. We can't be having copyright problems. Right? More money, more problems. Or would you say I got 99 problems and you ain't one? <laughs> what is that, a song? Yes. Okay. They're both. <laughs> Why must you always like call me out for my cultural not knowing? What? Oh, I don't know. But I do find it hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm going to have Bob start playing like some. Some other music that you don't know. Get you back. I don't know you playing now. <laughs> what difference would it make? Okay, today we are talking about. No, 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 no. What? We're not doing that yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a little ahead. Sorry, friend. <laughs> That's why we got the cue sheets right here. I never look at those. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Do we so need to restart the show. No, we're not restarting the okay. show. All right. So uh, support the show. This is your uh, opportunity for audience participation. Uh, make sure to hit that like button so that it'll push it out um, to other people and wake up those bots uh, that run by big tech and let them know, hey, we have cool content here. Um, this show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. Family 210 Clothing. And the Theology Mom podcast. What do we have tonight as our design of the week from Family 210? I don't co-parent with the government. That's one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, that's because I made that one. <laughs> yes. Yes, a little bias. That's right. Okay. All right, it's okay. So, you have a little bias here and there. Go check out um, our other shirts. Truth has no color. I think we've seen Kevin wear that a couple times on off code. Uh, but that's not Kevin. And that's not Monique either. All oh, those glasses are fire. I do like it. <laughs> and that fro. Yes. I like the fro. Okay. All right. So about $10 of each purchase goes to help support the ministry or our family, depending on which one you buy. <laughs> there it is. Okay. So tonight, you know, we have a lot of parents who listen to the show. Yes. Child influencers, kid pastors, mm -hmm. youth pastors, yes, grandparents, aunties, uncles. People just like kids. Don't like them too much. That's creepy. That is creepy. <laughs> so, uh, but we are all about encouraging parents to be proactive in um, taking the lead, I guess, in their kids' discipleship. In fact, we had a gal come on our live stream the other night, and she says, hey, is it too late to homeschool my child. She's going in the seventh grade. I actually talked to her. Oh, you did? I did. I talked to her right after the live. Um, awesome. I was driving and she texted me and I was like, I can't talk. I'm driving as I'm like, <laughs> I can't talk. I'm driving. Girl, I don't want to get a ticket. Um, and so she called me 
And a really good conversation. That's awesome. Yeah, really good conversation. So there's a lot of different ways to that we go about that endeavor of encouraging parents, whether it's um, talking about, you know, partnering with our friend Jeremy Bannister, our friends at Women in Apologetics. It's coming up on the Discipleship Begins at Home Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And our friend Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yes. Her She'll bandits. be at um, Discipleship Begins at Home. But I was also thinking like Natasha Crane or yeah. um, other people who speak into that sphere of yeah. parenting. And, so we really yeah. want to equip people, you know, if, if this is kind of a newer conversation for you, you don't know where to get started, go check out some of our old episodes and the people that we highlight in platform because we do that because we want to help equip you. I'm excited to have Elizabeth Urbanovitz from Foundation Worldview uh, on the show again tonight. I think she's our second guest who's been on three times. Yes. So the first, the other one was Neil, and we just had him on a Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So it's kind of starting to be an annual thing. Yes. Elizabeth was reminding us the first time she was on, she was like in a basement somewhere. (laughs) We've come a long way since then. I think we were paying viewers back then. She is super fun. (laughs) She has a ton of wisdom. I just absolutely love her little heart. Yes. Yes, yes. So she's an amazing teacher. She has a brand new curriculum out, and we want to highlight that effort tonight, but also give parents some practical wisdom about encouraging Bible reading in the home and that their kids can do it. Yes. And really um, coming at it from an empowerment mindset that it, it can seem like really daunting to try to bridge that that cultural gap. Can it be done? And I think... Um, Elizabeth's got some great insights into how to bridge that world between. Oh, she the, has insights. The biblical context and our modern context. She has the insights. All, all right. right. I've got all kinds of questions. All right, let's get her on here. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me on, ladies. You always have me laughing um, as I listen to your intro. So I was laughing tonight. So thank you for that. <laughs> hey, Miss Lady, girl, you're laughing because we don't really know what we're doing. We just. <laughs> We just hear. I love it. <laughs> we just being us. People are like, oh, you're so real. We're like, we couldn't be any other way. Uh, this yeah. is just us. Yeah. Okay. So give us the one minute intro version. Like, who are you and why do you do what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So one minute, here we go. I am, I'm a follower of Jesus and I began my professional career as an elementary educator in a Christian school, love children, love the Bible. And several years into my teaching experience, noticed a problem that the students in my classroom came from great Christian homes. I was giving them a biblically based education all day long, and they were still rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture. And they really didn't have any skills, you know, just to read, interpret and apply scripture. And so started looking for solutions, couldn't really find anything for the elementary age so started creating curriculum on my own for my students kind of took off like wildfire and before I knew it was happening people were asking me for these resources and I was like you can't have them I'm a third grade teacher not a publishing house but eventually the Lord led me back to school to get a master's in apologetics at Biola and then I left teaching to start Foundation Worldview which is a ministry that just seeks to equip parents to get kids to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter to dive into scripture so that they can understand the truth of the biblical worldview. And so that's what we're all about at Foundation Worldview. And it's a really just a gift that the Lord is allowing me to invest my time in this way. And you you truly are a gifted teacher. I mean, yes, there's a lot of people who walk around saying they're teachers, but you are the real deal. Like you really know how to teach. And that's why we love having you on. Um, we, I, we went speaking somewhere, um, we're going to say location undisclosed and <laughs> there were like students, like grown people who are like, I used to be your student or like teens, you know, who used to be your students or the parents of people of little people who would be like, oh my gosh, my student had, or my kid had, and I was like, wow, you've impacted so many lives, you know, so many young people with uh, a different way to understand the scriptures. And so it's awesome to, to hear how your work um, has impacted people. Now, the, the, the first curriculum you did was kind of teaching kids about worldview issues. The second curriculum you put together was more on logic and critical thinking. And that's what we talked about on last year's show. If people want to go back and, give that a replay 
So let's talk about your new curriculum. I really want to start out with having you talk about um, what prompted you to write a curriculum to help kids be able to read and interpret the Bible for themselves. Yes. Well, first I need to say just for everyone listening that I owe Krista a huge thank you because she was one of the three people that I reached out to as I was in the writing phase of this, just saying like, Hey, look at this stuff. What weaknesses do you see? What strengths do you see? What am I missing? And so Krista was just her input. You know, your Chris, your Krista, your input was just so valuable. And those changes that you suggested are all in the curriculum <laughs> today. Awesome. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and you know, with each and every curriculum that I write, it's really really because of a problem that I've encountered, you know, in either in my own classroom or in my own interactions with children. And so I just had this one day in my classroom, it was my seventh year of teaching. And I was, you know, leading my students through this engaging and interactive Bible lesson that I had planned. And they, they were really engaged. And I just took this moment, I looked around the classroom and I was like, what are they going to do over the summer? Like, are they going to have any interaction with scripture when I'm not here to plan these lessons for them? And I knew without a doubt, the answer to that question that it was no. And so that, you know, that moment just caused me to pause and say, okay, what do I need to do? Because I just realized, you know, there's this ancient proverb that says, if you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day where if you teach him how to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. And I was like, I'm just handing out fish every day. And I was like, how can I teach these kids how to actually fish so that they're going to be the ones that know how to read scripture. And so the next day I came back and I was like, you know what, I'm going to put down the school's Bible curriculum. Like I didn't abandon it. I still stayed on track with what I was supposed to teach, but rather than planning, you know, these crazy lessons, you know, where there was tons of illustrations and games and songs, I was like, you know what, I'm going to teach these kids how to read the Bible. (laughs) And that's what I did. And so I just had them open up scripture. And at first we started off and we would read, you know, a passage together. And I would just give them some basic Bible study skills as we went along. And then after a month or so of doing that, I broke them off into small groups you know, and had them start implementing those same skills in small groups. And then we'd come back and talk about what they learned. And then eventually I had them, you know, just broken off individually so that they were practicing this on their own. And then we'd come back together and talk about what they learned. And I was just really shocked to, to discover that, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds, they were old enough to read large portions of scripture on their own to implement some basic skills of sound biblical interpretation, and then to look at, okay, how does this apply to my life today? And the next year I went down to the fourth grade teacher's classrooms. And I, after the first quarter of school and just kind of asked like, how are my students doing? You know, like, what are you seeing, you know, in Bible class, you know, are they lacking in any skills? Are they doing well? And each of the fourth grade teachers, you know, without any hesitation said the kids from your classroom, they know scripture better than any students I've had. They're more equipped to read scripture on their own and they actually like it. And then as, you know, as the years passed, I would have cafeteria duty every Friday and as I'd be walking through, you know, like just the aisles, students would tell me like, miss you, I'm in, you know, like I'm in Jeremiah or miss you, I'm in the New Testament or miss you, I'm in Revelation, I'm almost through with the Bible. And so these kids just kind of took off Bible reading on their own, you know, and challenged themselves to read through the entirety of scripture. And so I was just shocked. And so it was so exciting for me to see that. And so as we, you know, discussed as a team last year, you know, what curriculums do we want to release this upcoming year? We just all decided, you know, this equipping parents to get their kids to read, interpret, and apply scripture. Like that's the next thing that we need to do. So just super excited to be able to equip people in this way. That's awesome. And I'm so excited because when I taught my class at the, uh, I think about a year and a half ago now on how to, how to interpret the Bible. So many of the moms in my class were like, I want to teach this to my kids now. Like, where's the kid version of this? And, you know, it's been so exciting for me to let people know, like, it's coming and, you know, (laughs) it's going to be, it's going to be solid. So I'm so grateful for what you were doing. And just, I was so happy the day that you and I talked and I was able to share like, hey, these are the principles, the tried and true things I've developed over 30 years of how I teach people, regular people to interpret the Bible, taking seminary concepts down for regular people. It really can be done. And then to have you translate that for kids. I mean, that's fantastic. I am super excited that you were able to use some of those ideas. Maybe let's 
give people a snapshot mm-hmm. of your of your strategy for teaching kids, um, you know, how to read, understand, and apply the Bible. Like, what are some of those first steps that you help walk kids through? Yes. And I love talking about this because, you know, obviously I create curriculum so that others can, you know, take this and multiply it. But even if people choose not to use the curriculum, you know, I just want to equip people with skills to, you know, to get kids to do this. So um, our curriculum is broken up into three main sections. And these are, these are the sections, you know, basically what I would do with my students the last three years of teaching when I did this. And so the first thing um, that we do is we equip them to understand the entire story of scripture, just because so much of what our kids know right now about scripture is from, you know, a lot of times illustrated children's Bibles or from Sunday school or kids ministry lessons. And a lot of times they just have these random snapshots of the Bible that's, that are not in order. Like I remember distinctly just this memory from when I was in fourth grade in Sunday school, and we were learning the story of um, Balaam and Balak. So when King Balak hired Balaam, the sorcerer to curse the Israelites, and then, you know, there's Balaam and his donkey. And I just remember thinking like, what? in the world kind of book is the Bible? You know, like some weeks we're learning normal stories, like David's anointed King. Other weeks we're learning like weird stories, like a donkey is talking or a sea is being parted. And then other weeks we're learning like rules, like the 10 commandments or like good things that we should have in our life, like the fruits of the spirit. I I was so confused. And so that's one thing that I wanted my students just to understand the story from Genesis all the way to revelation. So what we do And the first 10 lessons of the curriculum is we actually, you know, verbally go through that whole story and we have illustrations for each major time period. And what we have the kids do every week is they actually have to take time period cards and put them in order and then time themselves, you know, so that they're getting to know this story forward and backwards. And then with each of the first 10 lessons, we dive into one or two of those major time periods. We have kids read larger portions of scripture and we have them look for some main themes throughout the Bible. So we, you know, there are many themes that they could look for, but we have them look specifically for the themes of God's faithfulness, human rebellion, and God's rescue plan. And we take them, you know, through, through many significant passages in scripture where God is like dropping hints, you know, for, for his plan to rescue humanity. So that's the first thing that we do is, you know, just teach kids the entire narrative of scripture. So anytime they hear, you know, they're reading a passage of scripture or they hear a sermon or they hear a Bible lesson mentally, they can say, okay, when does this take place? You know, like, is this taking place during the time of the United Kingdom? Is this taking place during the time of the exile? Is this taking place during the time of the early church or the patriarchs? So they can have that mental map. Then the second thing that we do is we teach them basic skills in biblical interpretation, such as reading Bible verses in context, you know, not just pulling out an isolated verse and saying, okay, what do I think this means? But saying, okay, what does this mean in the, in the larger passage? What is the meaning that God has given to it? Looking at things like the difference between a descriptive passage, which is, you know, describing people or places or events versus a prescriptive passage, you know, that's giving commands and then saying, okay, is this a command for us? Or is this a command, you know, specifically for the people at the time? And then we look at different things like um, we talk about how, you know, there's not multiple meanings of a passage, like the text, there's an objective meaning, and we might not always understand that right away, but we have to search for that. We have to seek that out. We look at skills like use by Bible maps, you know, read the, ba- you know, the read, yes, read background information. Yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, that is a Krista Bontrager um, yeah, thing that you pointed that out. At first, I didn't have that. And I was like, you know what? You are so right. That's really we have important. so many maps in um, our house. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> Um, So yeah, so these basic skills, you know, that then they're putting into place as they're reading the entire narrative. And then the the last third of the curriculum, what we do is we teach them how to read different Bible genres. You know, how is reading prophecy different than reading poetry? You know, how is reading a gospel, you know, biography different than reading a letter? Just so that they think through like, what genre is this mainly? You know, what other genres are mixed in with it? And then how do I read this. So, you know, this is not exhaustive. There are other skills, you know, that we could teach and that hopefully, you know, the kids that go through this will, will continue to learn as they grow, but just giving them the basics of understanding the entire narrative, some basic sound biblical interpretation skills, and then how do we read different genres? That's awesome. And, um, the first part that you talk, cause we're already getting comments on here from adults. Uh, Alyssa says, I think I need the explanations of the old Testament for myself. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's, because when 
there's such value to parents learning alongside their kids in these things um, because there's gaps in our knowledge mm-hmm. sometimes. Right. And I've definitely seen that in the classes that I've been teaching over the last two years through the ministry. Um, I did one class called God's big story where we did mm-hmm. essentially w- what you're doing in the first part of your curriculum, helping people um, put things in order and understanding how every story in the Bible pushes the story of the Bible forward. But because of how so many of our sermons are preached and how we teach Sunday school to kids at, at both ends of the age spectrum, we are conditioned to just kind of this isolated verse or isolated store story strategy uh, for interpreting the Bible. And this is why this is a theory not speaking for Elizabeth, but this is my theory as to why so many people become vulnerable to ideas like progressive theology or other errant ideas, because when they hear something, they, they don't think, oh, what does this mean in context? Because nobody's ever trained them to think that way. And then they just have all of these little kind of fortune cookie type ideas floating around in their mind not knowing how it all fits together. I'm curious, Elizabeth, you seem to feel optimistic that kids can understand the story of the Bible. Tell me more about that. Yes. So this is where, you know, the the teacher in me comes out. And I even explain this, you know, all of our curriculums are video based for, for actually for the exact reason you were talking about that. We know that many parents haven't been trained in this. And I knew as a teacher, anytime I felt uncomfortable, you know, with something that I was teaching, like I didn't know it well enough, I was very intimidated. So that's why our curriculums are just prepped press print, you know, for the activity sheets and then just press play. <laughs> you know, that's, those are the only two skills you need to take a child through one of our curriculums, you know, but with getting a child to understand the narrative of the Bible, there's just certain things that we have to understand. You know, like one of them is that brain research has found that on average, a child needs seven exposures to the same content before it actually becomes part of their everyday life before it becomes part of, you know, just everyday mental skills that they utilize, you know, so a lot of times what we'll do is, you know, we'll throw, you know, one random story at a child and then expect that they somehow, you know, know where it fits in with the context of scripture, or we'll cover something once and then, you know, be like, well, why didn't they understand it? Where really, if we want these things to become skills that are part of their everyday lives, they need at least seven exposures and seven opportunities to practice. So one thing we do in all of our curriculums is we review and we review and we review and we review so that by the time a child has gone through these materials, they have gone through each concept at least seven times and it's become part of their everyday thinking. And so it, what we do is we can just take, you know, complex concepts, break them down into small bite-sized bits and go over them again and again and again and again. And we also give, you know, just hints because a lot of children, you know, are reading on grade level or above grade level. And once a child, you know, can read at a fourth or a fifth grade great reading level, there's really hardly any portions of the Bible that are too complex, at least decoding, understanding the words for them. Where if a child is reading, you know, below grade level, you know, there's so many great tools that we can implement with them. You know, just take out a phone and put on an audio Bible, you know, and then have the child follow along. That's a strategy that any reading specialist would use is that you just play the audio book and you have the child follow along in the printed version. So there's so many little tips and tricks that we can just implement to help a child really understand something. Now, is every single child going to understand every single concept? No, but that's why we review over and over and over and over again so that they don't get it on the third time or the fourth time, you know, by the seventh time they can get it. Or if not, our family licenses are lifetime, you know, so you can go over it as many times as you want with the child or the children in your care. And so that's something we just always encourage at Foundation Worldview is a lot of times, you know, we really don't expect enough of our kids. We think we have to water everything down. if If we do things that are developmentally appropriate, you know, and just follow how God designed a child to learn, they can grasp so 
much. <laughs> yes. 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 I completely agree. You know, one of the things that really got me out of the critical social theories was looking at the scripture in context. I was like, you know, this is a new thing for me. I'm a full grown human. You know, being able to teach kids from a young age about the importance of looking at the entirety of scripture, looking at scripture in context is so important. But I love what you're saying about review, you know, like review, review, ask your questions. How is this, you know, how are you thinking about this? What what are you noticing as you are looking in the scripture? Then you'll be able to understand, you know, how a, a child is um, developing as they're reading the word of God and you can correct errors. But here's a, a question that I'm wondering is like, what questions should kids be asking as they're reading through the scriptures? Like, what are some of those big questions that we should be looking for from children? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I think if, if we can give them just specific questions that they can implement in any passage of scripture, that makes it so much easier. You know, that's why we're not teaching them, you know, the top 27 skills, you know, we're breaking it down really simple. So one thing that we teach the kids is that, you know, just that that the truth, that truth is objective. And so the reader is not the person who brings the meaning to the text. And we give them this example, you know, we have them just draw a picture and we see, you know, of something or someone they love. And then we talk through, okay, so, you know, you drew a picture of your cat. What if somebody comes in and says, that's not your cat, that's a dog. You know, does that picture suddenly become a dog because that person thought it was? No, like you're the author, you're the illustrator of this picture. So therefore you bring the meaning to that picture. And that's what is the same with scripture. God is the author of scripture. So God is the one that brings the meaning to the text, whether we understand it or not. So we say it's our job to look for what truths are revealed. So that's the first thing, just the baseline, you know, that we need to look for truths that are revealed. And then specifically, we then have them focus on, okay, as I'm reading this passage, what truths are revealed about God? So as I'm reading through this, let's, you know, does this, does this passage highlight God's faithfulness? Does this passage highlight the fact that God is just, does this passage highlight that God is sovereign, you know, so that they're always looking first and foremost, what is this teaching about God? Because, you know, in our 21st century American context, we've just been so conditioned to like, what does this say about me and my life and my dreams and my mm -hmm. destiny? And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, this isn't really about us. It's mainly about God. And then after that, we have them look for what truths are revealed about humans, not me in particular, but just humans in general, you know, is this revealing that humans are loved by God? Is this revealing that humans are sinful? Is this revealing that humans continuously rebel? You know, is this re revealing that humans can be deceived? You know, so what is this revealing about humans? Then we ask them to look for what does this reveal about God's big plan? So again, they're always looking, okay, how does this fit into the cohesive narrative of scripture? Now, again, these are not the only questions that they can or should be asking, but we want to keep it simple, you know, so that we're encouraging them to seek truth, but they're also not leaving confused. So we just are like, okay, what's revealed about God? What's revealed about humans and what's revealed about God's big plan? And if kids can start off studying scripture by asking those three questions, they're going to be in such a better place, you know, than if we're just like, okay, read this. And what does this text mean to you? Man, that's so good. I love the, the push for truth, you know, and the, the fact that there is objective truth because our kids are being raised in a postmodern context where the idea of objective truth is not a thing. It's all about my truth. And, you know, if you read the word, well, you know, what is the, the cultural relevance? How does my culture extrapolate something from this scripture verse? What does it mean to me in my cultural moment and at my intersection? And that is not the way that we approach scripture. The, the truth of the meaning of scripture is revealed through the author, but it's you, we see God's big story and his plan as we look at the entire narrative of scripture. Yeah. And I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, just as a side tip, but I really want to emphasize it is that kids are capable of taking in much more complex topics than we realize yes. if it's through the ear gate. So even if they don't understand every jot and tittle of what's being said, Using audiobooks, I am a huge proponent of audiobooks. When my kids were growing up, 
every night when they would go to sleep, I would put on the audio Bible for them. I made CDs of this is this is how old uh this is how long I've been a mom. You've been but, burning CDs. Yeah, be burning girl. CDs of like, you know, just the book of Esther or or highlights from the book of Daniel or um putting together the Christmas story from Luke and Matthew and everything. And my kids would listen to these CDs over and over and over again and could it would get the scripture into them. And it was way before they could read. But because it came through the ear gate, they were able to apprehend words that were way beyond their their reading vocabulary. And I cannot stress this enough to start that process early, like three, four years old. Um, our daughter, Emily, would listen to books on tape before she could read and pretend to read, but she would, she would listen to the words. And then after a year or two of doing that, she taught herself to read. Like we never did phonics. I had all these plans and all these books. And then I realized like, oh, she already knows how to read <laughs> because she's been listening to all these audiobooks. And so don't think that your kid is only capable of reading the words that they can read. They can actually ingest and understand words that are far beyond their reading vocabulary. And so that's a, that's a tip that I really want parents to know because here's why. And I'm getting to the next question. Elizabeth is being very patient, my little soapbox here, because here's the thing. Christianity has been revealed as that we are people of the book. Mm-hmm. We are not people of the television. We are not people of the screen. We are people of the book. And so if we do not focus our educational efforts to create strong readers, it becomes very challenging for our children to really understand the depths of our faith. Jesus revealed himself as the word, as the logos of God. And so we have to do our due diligence in navigating the world of screens. Because if we condition our children to only take in information through screens and we don't help their neural pathways in their brain begin to form according to words and develop strong readers. See, if a child is a strong reader, they can teach themselves anything. But if, if all they know how to do is process the world through screens, they, it will be very difficult for them to really ingest the word. Mm-hmm. So part of being a Christian in my opinion, and the opinions expressed by near me are not necessarily those of Monique and Elizabeth, but in my opinion and in my experience on the other side of parenting, if the child does not know how to sit still and we haven't trained them and how to use their brain to read deeply, it will be hard to really help them process their faith through the word. I don't know, Elizabeth, if you have any thoughts about that or if you think I'm off. I want to give a long, slow clap to that. (laughs) I think you're spot on with that. And I know that that is so challenging to do when screens are everywhere and they can make it seem so easy. (laughs) Um, But I've even seen this with my nephews and my nieces that my sister-in-law, she has been so diligent in not allowing her children to see any screens until they're at least two. And then they're allowed maybe 10 to 15 minutes a day, but she reads to them all the time. And my two nephews are so active and they constantly have to be moving and jumping and throwing and, you know, just, just, just engaged in some activity. But the minute you open up a book, it's amazing. They could be wrestling on the floor. And if you just open up a book and start to read all of a sudden they get quiet. 
They come next to you. They snuggle up on the couch. And my nephews can listen to reading their even when they were three and two years old, they could listen to someone reading for over a half hour. And it's just amazing what can happen. And and I just want to echo what you said, Krista, you know, that if we want to equip our kids to be readers of the word, we have to make sure that we are developing in them the capacity to read. And just from a brain chemistry perspective, like it has to be that screen time is limited <laughs> and it has to be that we're engaging them in reading daily. So just want to say amen to everything you yeah. said, Krista. <laughs> I, I hear you, but I feel like there's a parent somewhere out there who is like, you know, but the iPad is really helpful when I need to make dinner or, you know, the TV does become like a babysitter and it might be out of, you know, a parent's necessity, whatever they deem as necessity. Yeah, what? Well, well, with, with what ahead. Krista was saying with auto, oh, sorry, Monique, you go. <laughs> no, no, girl, I'm just, I'm, I'm just here, girl. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I can completely understand if a parent is feeling that way. And if your child is used to that, it takes a lot of retraining of the brain. But yeah. if you go to your local library, there's thing called, things called playaways, which are books on MP3. And yep. if you just get a whole bunch of playaways and then you go and get the accompanying book, um, your child, you know, instead of being on the iPad, just put in the earphones, start yeah. the playaway and give them the book. And then they're still listening and they can follow along in the book with the pictures and it might take a little while of retraining of their brain, but that can still be a help for you, you know, while you're making dinner or, you know, when they wake up from nap time, that's a really great and healthy alternative. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's what I used to do with playaways. Yeah. Playways. Yeah. Library. Okay. Now, what, how would you encourage a parent to help bu build a bridge between the cultures of like our modern culture, the iPad and all of that, and the culture of Jesus or even the Old Testament? you know, time, like they're so starkly different. How do we have a lot of cultural distance? It, it's a, it, there is, there's a ton of cultural difference. How do you kind of bring that together for a kid? Yes. And that's another great question because sometimes even we as adults, you know, have trouble bridging that cultural difference because, you know, we weren't around, you know, 2000, 3000 years ago in the ancient Near East. And so one of the skills that we teach kids in our curriculum is to research the background of a book before reading the book. And so initially the first, I think probably like seven or eight times we have kids do this, we've actually written just very simple background introductions where we let them know what time period this takes place, you know, who the author is or most likely was of this book, what was going on historically, both in ancient Israel and in the world around them, and then anything else important culturally that they need to know in order to understand that book. And then after we've had them practice doing that multiple times with the summaries we've written, then we say, okay, now you need to go and make sure that your Bible, the Bible that you're using has this resource, you know, at the beginning of every book. And if it doesn't, you, we tell the parents, you know, they need to find a Bible for their child that has this background information. And then for the, the adults, for the parents, we recommend that they get a copy of the cultural background study Bible, which just has a lot of you know, really beneficial cultural background information for every passage of scripture so that they're able to, you know, help bridge that gap for their child. Because sometimes, you know, something will come up where it's like, wait, wait, what is this that's going on? And we're not sure, you know, like, is this related to what's going on today? Was it completely different back in the ancient Near East or in the Greco-Roman world? And resources like that can be of great value. So that's another thing. We just want to train our kids, not only in the skills of reading scripture, but in looking at, okay, what are helpful tools that I might need at certain times to help me better understand this passage, because there are a lot of passages that can be confusing. You know, when we don't live in a world where we, you know, where covenants are regularly made, you know, or we don't live in a world, you know, where hospitality is like it was back in the ancient Near East. So we want to make sure that we're equipping them to know what tools do I have available to me or what resources do I have available to me that I can consult to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. That's awesome. And uh, once again, I want to just mention that um, study Bible that Elizabeth mentioned. It's called the NIV Cultural Backgrounds, Backgrounds Study Bible. Um, this is not a paid advertisement for who's it by Zondervan, probably. Uh, but, um, you know, it's it is valuable. I think Craig Keener is the general editor 
on mm -hmm. that one and um, really solid resource for, for anybody. So uh, Alicia Moss has a great comment on YouTube that uh, goes along with our conversation here. Um, she says, if you create a culture of reading in your home, it balances out everything else, whether you homeschool your kids or your kids attend school, read to them, read aloud until they leave your home as adults. I think that's some really wow. great advice. Um, and just to make, I just cannot emphasize enough to counteract screens and to emphasize reading, creating strong readers is really vital. Um, I also want to say like another way of bridging kind of our context and the, the original context is maps. I mean, you know, when we're, doing our family devotions, anytime there's a place mentioned, there's mom getting out the map. <laughs> Look at her. Yes. There Which is so valuable to help them get, you know, just a mental picture of where this took place, you know, and especially in relation to other, you know, narratives in scripture. And so that, that is so valuable. And that is something, you know, thanks to your suggestion, Krista, that we do have them do, you know, throughout the curriculum is like, okay, this is where, you know, this book of the Bible was taking place. And then every time when you hear a city mentioned, we want you to go find that city on the map. And, you know, like anytime an event is mentioned in that city, we want you to draw a little symbol on the map, you know, to say what took place there. It's so valuable for kids to just get that mental map of understanding where is this taking place. Yeah. So how can we help our kids maybe set some goals, mm. you know, when they're reading the Bible? Because it can be a little bit overwhelming, you know, like, where do I start? And should I be reading like five chapters a day, one chapter a day, one verse a day? Like, how, how can we help our kids maybe, um, how can we provide some gentle structure for them and, and helping them begin to create some goals? Yeah, well, that's, you know, the beauty of, of parents being involved in this because a parent knows their child best. You know, there's there's some really voracious readers out there who could read five chapters a day, you know, like no problem whatsoever. And then there's, you know, other kids who, you know, it might need to be limited to one chapter a day or, you know, like half a chapter, you know, a large chunk of verses. And so this is where I would encourage parents, you know, to really step in and say, okay, you know your child the best, help provide some structure and actually talking through, okay, what time of day is this going to take place? You know, because if we just leave it to whenever, you know, it's not going to take mm -hmm. place. So, you know, if we were just like, oh, you know, like we'll eat food today, whenever, you know, that probably wouldn't happen. You know, we have structured times where we eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, snacks. And so would encourage parents to say, okay, let's look at what's realistic and let's choose a book of the Bible. Okay. And let's map out, you know, how long is it going to take us to get through this book of the Bible? Are we going to read a chapter a day? Are we going to read two chapters a day? What is that going to look like? And then, okay, when are we going to read this? Is, is it going to be first thing in the morning? Is it going to be, you know, if you're homeschooled, maybe like right after lunch, is it going to be right when you get home from school? Is it going to be after dinner time? So that there's just a time there that that's carved out to make sure we're actually helping our kids immerse themselves in scripture, because these patterns that we help them establish as their young ones, these are patterns that, you know, we're praying are going to carry them through the rest of their lives where, you know, they, they might choose not to, you know, like they may leave our homes, you know, at 19 and they might go through a season of not reading scripture. And we're going to, you know, like pray against that. We're going to encourage them against that, but it's much more likely that they're going to continue this pattern, even when they're outside of our homes, if we've established it when they're in our homes, or if we don't set this pattern, it's very unlikely that they're going to, you know, be a 19 year old in college and be like, Oh, you know, I think it's a wise idea to carve out 20 minutes a day and read the Bible. Um, so yeah. it just encourage parents to be intentional there. And then to also be intentional one thing that we've done in our curriculum is we've actually created a Bible reading plan um, that we give the kids a challenge at the end of the curriculum to read through almost the entire Bible on their own. Um, we've created a reading plan for kids ages 12 and under where we just, um, we skip over some of the more sexualized narratives, you know, like we, we skip over the entire Song of Solomon, you know, because there's really not a need for like a fifth grader to be reading through that. And then just some of the narratives um, that talk about, you know, the, the sin of other, we don't, obviously, if we skipped over sin in the Bible. I don't, I don't know what would we have, maybe like five verses. <laughs> um, but, you know, like some of the, 
you know, stories like Lot and his daughters or Judah and Tamar, you know, that just might not be appropriate for like an eight, nine or 10 year old to read. And so we just encourage parents to do the same thing. You know, don't sanitize scripture because, you know, like that's, that's not teaching kids the entire narrative, but understanding what can kids handle at a developmentally appropriate age, you know, and then setting out a reading plan for them. It doesn't have to be a reading plan for the entire year, you know, just go week by week or month by month, but help carve out that time and then be intentional. That's good. So when we think about these, these matters, I think it's just so vital that whatever, however our kids are being educated, whether we're educating them at home or whether they're going to school in a public school or Christian private school, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, that we have a plan. Like this is the type of thing that any parent can do. Um, No matter where their kid is being educated, it's not a homeschool only type of plan. And every parent has to be thinking about how they're going to be intentional and spearheading their efforts to disciple their kids. So I guess I want to not pigeonhole you into saying this is only for homeschoolers. Mm -hmm. So maybe speak to the other environments where people are using your curriculum successfully. Yes. And so I just want to echo what you said, Krista, because, you know, it, it should not only be homeschooling parents that are intentional, you know, about discipling their children. That's the call of every parent, you know, whatever educational decision that they've made with their child. And so we actually, you know, our family licenses that we sell are actually pretty evenly split between families who homeschool and then families who don't homeschool, but are intentional about family discipleship. And so, you know, for each of our curriculums that we create, we have uh, around 30 lessons, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 lessons so that it's really manageable to get through in a year that you just set aside one hour, one day a week, you know, to do this lesson with your child. And so for, you know, for parents who have their children in public schools, um, just encourage them, you know, I mean, even if they're not using our materials, just be intentional at setting aside at least one hour once a week, you know, it'd be even better if you could do 20 to 30 minutes a day, you know, of just teaching your kids how to read, interpret, and apply scripture and getting them in this habit. And this is something, you know, I know, um, I know Krista, I've heard you talk about before, and I know our friend Jeremy Bannister talks about, but how important it is to really evaluate our schedules and how we're investing the time that God has given us with our children. You know, because if our children are in school for eight hours a day, and then they have at least one hour of homework when they get home, and then they have two hours of sports practice, you know, and then they're eating dinner on the go. And then they, you know, like they're getting in bed and like, we've done nothing, you know, really to invest in their discipleship. We need to reconsider that because, you know, when, when we stand before God one day, we're not going to be like, well, my kid was a great athlete. I'm so happy about that. You know, we want our child to stand before God and know who he is and to have loved him and trusted him, you know, and laid down their life daily, you know, for him. And so we need to be thinking, how are we investing our time intentionally? And so just, we always are encouraging families, you know, whether they're homeschooling families or non-homeschooling families to think through that. And another thing that initiative that we're starting at Foundation Worldview, you know, we do have licenses for Christian schools to use our curriculums and licenses for churches. But one thing we're really encouraging churches to do is, you know, they can use our curriculums in a Sunday school or kids ministry setting. But what we're actually pushing more now is we have bulk licensing available for families, um, well, for churches to then redistribute to families. So we sell our curriculums in bulk to them at a reduced rate that they can then redistribute to their families and they can guide their families through taking their children through these materials so that they're actually being the primary disciplers of the kids that God has placed in their care. And so we're just trying to help churches, you know, start to think a little bit more biblically about this, that, you know, like we don't gather children to churches, you know, and send them to children's ministry. And that's where they're discipled. You know, that can be a portion of their discipleship, but really the body of Christ should be coming together to equip families to be the primary disciplers of their children so that that's where the next, the faith is being passed on to the next generation, you know, around the dining room table or in the kitchen, or, you know, like as they're getting tucked in at night. And so that's, that's one thing we're really passionate about at Foundation Worldview. I love that because as someone who has led children's ministries, we only get kids once, maybe twice a week for an hour to 90 minutes and thinking that your children's 
worker, your children's leader, whatever is going to be the primary person to instill the entirety of scripture and a biblical worldview to your child is not realistic. It's really, really not. And so encouraging churches to support parents to be able to disciple their kids is amazing because that is that's where the discipleship happens it happens in the home parents are the primary teachers of their children and so yes i absolutely love it yeah and it's a we get a lot of requests uh since a certain live stream that we did a few months ago about a big name curriculum uh, out there in the Sunday school space, we've been getting a lot of letters. Well, what's an alternative? Are you really trying not to say the name or yeah. why? <laughs> I don't want them coming after me. So we did a curriculum on it's orange. It's just red and yellow, right? <laughs> yeah. You put those two colors together, you get orange. And I mean, let's be honest. This isn't a show where we dilly dally and kind of skip over things. If you're looking at the orange curriculum or if your church uses orange curriculum, I would say go back and watch the the stream that we did. Elizabeth, I also think that you've done a stream on orange, too. Um, am I correct or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, were, uh, we did a, a session on how to equip our kids to recognize unbiblical ideas within Christianity. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, with the, you know, I mean, I know you guys talked about this on your super stream that you did, but just, you know, like really their hermeneutic is they come with, okay, what, you know, idea do we want to teach? And then what scripture can we kind of take out of context and just attach to that yeah. to teach that? And that is a faulty hermeneutic. And, you know, if, if people are watching from, um, from churches that are like, well, orange is just so comprehensive. What, what we always recommend at Foundation Worldview is um, the Gospel Project by Lifeway is another pretty comprehensive curriculum. Yeah. You know, if you're looking That's for the other one we've been view, recommending too. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very comprehensive, just like Orange, and you know they provide really sound hermeneutics um, in in teaching kids how to read scripture. You know, the entire narrative. So we always like to recommend that at Foundation Worldview. So yeah. there, there we go. A couple of alternatives. Maybe we can clip this and then we could put it up there because. We keep getting the letters. Yeah. So is there's a couple of alternatives for, for churches to consider um, with Elizabeth and uh, the Gospel Project. That's a good one. And this ain't to be salty toward orange. It's just to be like, look, we want to raise our kids properly and to disciple them. Just, into just the, a different approach, yeah. different strategy. Um, so I want to let people know that you are going to be speaking soon at the Discipleship Begins at Home Conference and you mentioned earlier our friend Jeremy Bannister. I want to just, um, I think Bob's going to play a little bit of the promo video here of with our, it's co-sponsored with our friends at Women, in, Women Apologetics. in Apologetics. And you can still register. It's coming up in just a few weeks. It's going to be in person in Texas, but you can also get it virtually. Jeremy's going to be speaking. Elizabeth's going to be speaking as well as Amy Davidson and Lindsay Meldenwald. And there's going to be sessions really to equip uh, parents to disciple their kids. Very practical talks. Elizabeth, I assume you're doing the one on teaching hermeneutics to our children. I am. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> so that will be good. What are the dates again? Yeah. So it's going to be September 9th and 10th. Um, oh, and there you are. And includes in... For every registration, you can get a free copy of uh, Jeremy Bannister's kind of reading plan, his blueprint uh, to help equip parents. Um, and you can, again, get it in person or virtually. Um, this is just a wonderful opportunity. So go check out our friends at womeninapologetics.com. They are also offering church licensing um, if you want to get a group together. Do it. So go to womeninapologetics.com, click on events and navigate your way to the Discipleship Begins at Home Conference. Again, it's September 9th and 10th. Look who in the comments on YouTube, Beth Davis. Discipleship Begins at Home is at my church. If you're in Texas, I would love to see you there. Um, Beth is part of the Women in Apologetics yep. team. Yep. We love Beth. Sneaking on. Hey, Beth. All right. So... Tell us again about um, when your curriculum's coming out. I think it just came out. Um, tell us about the website, how people can follow you yeah. and stay connected to you and all that fun stuff. 
Yeah. So if you go to foundationworldview.com, you can find out all the information about all of our curriculums um, and our specifically our studying the Bible one that we've talked about tonight uh, that just released three weeks ago at the end of July. And so we're super excited. We already have so many families um, and churches and a number of Christian schools that are implementing it. So if you go to foundationworldview.com, you can find out all of that information. You can find us also on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube and find out more of our resources there. Awesome. It's been great to see you again, Elizabeth. Yes. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me on. It's always so much fun to be on with you ladies. Well, thank you. And it's just been great. Um, Thanks for all your work that you're doing. It's wonderful to have a reliable person that we can refer people to with confidence and just know that they're going to get solid help from you. So thank you. All right. All right. Good night. God bless. Talk to you later. Yeah, you guys will be texting. This is true. (laughs) I got you, girl. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go out and hear from our friends at Impact 360. And then we will come back with another segment. We'll see you in two minutes. Oh, wait. Oh, we're not ready for that. This isn't this isn't that the part of the, you know, the show. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Elizabeth. All right. Isn't she awesome? She is. She's like a little breath of fresh air. I just appreciate her so much. Um, yes. And I really mean it when I said, you know, that it's just great to be able to have somebody with her level of skills that um, we can push people to. And Yes, I definitely like her level of skill. And it, what I appreciate is that how she is like right here, like the way she thinks things through, she gives really thoughtful answers. Like she's really in it. That is just her being her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, you know, I'm gonna go and cheat my way through or, you know, she's just, people she's should a go really on, awesome person. People should go on the, uh, the YouTube and find your very first interview you ever did. I don't think anyone should do that. It was with Elizabeth Urbanovitz. It was a good interview. It was, it was, it was informative, (laughs) but it was a mess. It was a mess. She didn't know anything about microphones or cameras or anything. Go find that. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. Don't do it. All right. We'll be back in two minutes. Here's our message from our friends at impact 360. Everywhere I looked, everything I read, all the things the world told me about who I was, what I should like, it was all there. The thinking had been done for me. But what if you can't shake the feeling that you are destined to be something else, someone else? Someone other than just popular. Or unpopular. The smart one. The jock. The Christian. The sinner. In the world today, how does anybody know who? Or what to be. Or what to even know. I found those answers and more. I learned how to think through the superficial problems and transcendent issues before me. And begin to understand what God has revealed and why faith is not blind. What I believe in my heart from my experiences. To know and respond to endless challenges of my faith with love and with confidence. So that I may listen and engage because I know what I believe is true. A community where you are transformed in your character as you discover your identity in Christ. And your God-given calling. It's not only who you are, but where you should be. A community where you are cultivated as a leader. Where you will learn how to live a life of service to others as you follow Jesus Christ. The Impact 360 Institute is a community of experiential and holistic learning where you develop confidence in what you have always believed in your heart to be the truth. Then take what you know about God and what you know about yourself and live as an agent of change in your own community. Know Jesus more deeply. Be transformed in your character. Live a life of kingdom influence. Know. Be. Live.
Yay, we were at Impact earlier, well, earlier in July. Year, in July. Yes, and we'll be back in October. Yes. Yes, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a great program. Go check it out. Uh, see if it might be a fit for your family. Just another way to help you um, disciple your kids. They have summer camps for high schoolers. They have a gap year program for college students, and they have a graduate program. Yes, they do. Okay, so what do you got here? So in keeping in line with today's um, episode theme on empowering kids to be able to understand the word and to um, read the word, I wanted to highlight 80 Psalm verses, Psalms verses for kids to memorize. This is a book that was um, written by our a volunteer who serves on our ministry team, Sharia Pranger. And Sharia is just an just a sweet and awesome individual, first of all. But um, she has created a book that is, you call it, you said it's called copy work. Cop- yeah, it's, it's like I, for, you know, it's, it's for kids. It's like maybe first and second graders for people that are learning to print. So they would have on one side of the page. I don't know if Bob can show it, but it's on one side of the page is, is the verse. Yeah. And then they would copy it. Um, here, so they would be practicing their printing, and Bob's going to adjust the exposure so you can see it, and then they could also memorize it. Yes, and it's such a cool tool to be able to help kids. So it's one verse a day. Yeah, one verse a day, or you can do one verse a week and use yeah. it for a longer time, but to help kids learn some of the Psalms. So I wanted to um, just highlight this because it's another way to get kids digging in the word. And it's, there are cool coloring pages. There's cool fill in the blanks. And then they get to practice their writing and their reading at the same time. So you can find this on amazon.com. Actually, I will try and put a link in the, um, in the, what do you call this in the chat right now? So that, yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or you can find it just by searching Sharia Pranger on Amazon, it will come up. It's such a good book for a good price. Yeah. And it's just fun that somebody we know yes. like just took it to heart of like, hey, I'm going to do something. This is this is going to be my contribution to what we're doing. Now, Jeremy's got a he's got a comment about the Impact 360 video. What did he say? <laughs> Let me know. They might want to recut that video. They show the same black girl about a dozen times. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we've we noticed that. We also noticed that the part the the clips with Sean McDowell are so old that it was before he had gray hair. Why are you calling Sean out like that? Well, it's like it's more like I don't know. We've been using this video for a couple of years. I hope maybe they'll send us a new one. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's not on their radar. You can make the suggestion. Maybe they'll put us in the video. Maybe they did a um a clip with us already. Or at least yeah. Yes. Okay, everybody. That is it for your Saturday night. For our Saturday night. Yeah. You about to, what you about to do after this? You going to the club? Get a club hot dog at two in the morning. Girl. Mm. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. That was your old life. If y'all ever had a club dog, I'm not saying you had to go. You might have been driving home from work and noticed that there was a little guy with the cart and he was selling the club dogs and you just stopped. That's what I did. At two I, in the morning? I, yeah, sometimes I had to work the night shift. Why were you like out at a club at two in the morning? I wasn't at the club. I told you, just told you, you didn't listen. I was working the night shift and I drove by the club and I saw the guy. Where with the club would you dog. be working a night shift at two in the morning you in start, social um, service? Group homes. So you leave the group home that's next to, door to the nightclub. You're just walking by. I'm not. First of all, I'm not walking. Number one. Number two, I'm in my car. Number three, I'm in South L.A. So, yes, there is a group home next to a club. I would you like, would you so like to go questions. drive by? <laughs> so many questions. Staple. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you... Why, I why thought you... it was outside the Staples Center because when we, we went to the Eric Church concert and there was the hot dog guy outside the, the concert, you, were, you knew all about it. The Lord don't like ugly. Don't you put my <laughs> business out there like that. Our, my story is that I used to work late and I had to go and get a That's club dog on my way story. home. It's my story and I'm sticking is, to is it. Is that your truth? It is. It is. <laughs> When two worlds collide. Yes, apparently a hot dog that's sold at a club. What is, a, okay, so this is a club dog. A club dog is like, it's not just a hot dog. It's like a big sausage link. 
And then they they grill it, but they grill it with these sauteed onions and peppers and all of that. Now, you normally get it. Now, see, this is a past life. Do not judge me by my current status. I am saved and sanctified, and I'm currently being redeemed. Um, or currently being sanctified, I am redeemed. Yeah. One of those. But you would get it after you left the club. So the guy, the little hot dog vendor, would just wait outside at, like, you know, when they do like the little flashing lights to let you know it's time to leave. Everybody I don't know nothing about out, that. And then you, you would seem get to know a lot dog. about clubs. <laughs> this doesn't sound like you were just leaving work. Susanna says, I thought a club dog was it like something you get at Costco or Sam's Club. Evangelizing at the club. Go ahead, cat. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And all y'all on this stream know at least one of y'all had a club dog. Don't be acting like y'all ain't never had no club dog. That y'all ain't never I'm not saying I stumbled up the club, but y'all like y'all ain't never walked out the club and had had to have a club dog. The grease absorbs. When you were getting this club dog, were you wearing heels or no heels? Always heels. Then I know you were at the club, not at the work. I got even go. the group all went to in the morning. Got it's my time for me to go. I trapped Good night, you. everyone. You didn't trap me. Good night, everyone. <laughs> we will see you next week. Good night. God bless. Thanks for listening to All the Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.